Hey Chuck, yep, that's right. We are back with the latest episode of the Insatiable Content Podcast, a podcast focused on focused on dissecting all that's relevant and is interesting in contemporary culture. I'm your host, Vincent Rossmeyer, and I cannot tell you how excited I am about this week's show. I just wanna give a warning in advance. There are gonna be lots of curse words about this show. In fact, we're talking about a show that is basically about a guy who talks all the time about how small his penis is, so just be ready for that. Um, and I'm not even sure you're ready for this or dare I say deserve the quality that is about to hit your ears because following up on last week's show with our very first special guest, my inimitable firstborn, Nori Kay, we are coming back right now, not stopping the momentum, not even stopping to take a breath in between verses here because we have an incredible guest for this week to discuss one of my favorite comedies on TV in the past decade, FX's Dave. So without further prologue here, let me introduce the one, the only Ron at the end of the day. God damn it, he's killing this shit. Goobits, what's going on, Chuck? Goobits on Deckington. It's a follow-up after Nori Kay. Great to be here, thanks. Yes, well, I'm really excited you agreed to do this. Um, I, beers are on me for the infinite future, so I, I thank you so much. Um, and we're going to see how this goes. Ron is zooming in uh, because, you know, we both have children and trying to schedule time for us to actually meet in person was just uh, about as challenges, challenging as getting gum out of someone's ass, which, yes, is a direct reference to the show Dave, which we will be talking about more later. Um, so just bear with us on the sound quality here, and I promise you that what Ron has to say will be worth listening to uh, no matter what it sounds like. So I just want to give a little background before we jump in. Um, Ron is not only a hip-hop aficionado, but also the reason I began to watch Dave in the first place. He repeatedly suggested it. Some might say he even badgered me uh, to watch this show. And when I did, I was not only shocked by how much I liked it, but also at how different from uh, the reality of the show was from my conception of it. Um, I also came into this show knowing nothing about the show's uh, titular star, Dave Bird, a.k.a. Little Dicky, and his meteoric rise to fame. And I know he's been around for a lot longer than when the show started, which I think was 2019. Um, and so I actually think that was a cool for me because it helped me to come into the show um, just with open mind and made me even like it more. And so, for, but for those of you who haven't seen it or don't know anything about it, Dave is a pseudo sitcom about the white Jewish rapper, Little Dicky and his desperate attempts to achieve hip hop stardom in Los Angeles. And the show really looks at how that affects not just him, but also the relationships in his life. And that leads me into the first thing I know both Ron and I love about this show, which is how it depicts friendships, especially male friendships. So, Ron, I know this is something you found particularly endearing about the show. So if you want to kick us off there, what is it about Dave and the friendships on the show that you so enjoy? Yeah, I, I love the friendships. Uh, you know, for me, you know, I want to watch things that make me feel good. And I think one of the things that really drew me in, um, certainly in season one, was watching how Dave pulls his friends in, uh, you know, and builds his crew and, and what, what do they do well and how does he tap into those things and, and, and leverage them, but also uh, leverage it and love them. And building those relationships, I thought was just really powerful. Um, you know, in season two, watching those friendships like develop or devolve, you know, two steps forward, two steps back, that sort of thing, uh, or sometimes six steps back. Um, but I, I thought, you know, I came away from this just reminded of the power of like when there's love and there's understanding at the root. And even if you make mistakes and when you mess up and hurt people, uh, there is a chance for redemption. And I, I think this is a, was just a nice reminder and instructive about how we can navigate our own friendships and our own day to day. I think that's such a great point. And I think especially of his relationship with his uh, not no spo spoilers coming here. So just be prepared for that. But for his girlfriend, then ex-girlfriend in the show, how 
um, you know, there's a connection there and a bond there and a friendship there even after they break up. Yep. And it goes through those ups and downs. Yep. And it's awkward and then it's tough. But, you know, in the end, she's rooting for him, which I think is a, a really special, special thing. Yeah. Even as she's sitting on the couch with uh, <laughs> with her new boyfriend. <laughs> and I uh, I actually think Gaeta, uh is the best character on the show. And at least one of the ones one of the most interesting characters I've she- seen on TV in a while. He's a. Uh, Played by Daviante Ganter, um, who really gives an incredible performance. And in the show, he's bipolar. And I think that's something that's fascinating because it's a not something I have seen depicted, at least in this way, on TV very many times. And he gives a really great performance to show sort of um, just like this, the really high energy and then the equal dips that he takes. Um, and to me, the show is as much about him as it is even about Dave. Yeah, I, I love the, that they, they that they did this, and you know, Gaeta gave not only gave permission but wanted uh, his story to be told in this way. It's you know, it's biographical uh, in this in this sense, and I think it's I think it's really powerful. And uh, you know, it, it, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll leave it there with his with his name and how I think actually, uh, you know, the show is about uh, both of them. Um, yes, Dave and Daviante or, or Gaeta. And they have conflict, but there's they have such there's so much loyalty in their relationship, um, and I think there's just a lot of loyalty in the show. And we'll talk a little bit more about this later. I, sometimes I wonder if that loyalty is justified in all cases with Dave. But at the end of it, um, despite which we'll get into later, my sort of hesitations about the Benny Blanco relationship, um, I do think there's a depth to the male friendships on the show that I've seldom seen depicted anywhere. Um, and I, I really like that. Um, all right. So let's move on to the second thing we both liked, uh, which was something that I tried to title here appropriate appropriation. So uh, there's no getting around this. Like the show is about a white suburban kid from Philadelphia trying to excel at hip hop and in the wrong hands I truly think the show could have been deeply racist and offensive but it's not and I think it's worth exploring why that is and I think for me some of the things one Dave is a genuine affection for the art form and those who produce it Um, and then there's a there's a huge amount of self-awareness on this and that's one of my favorite things about the show too is just like Dave is both very self-aware very self-deprecating and also incredibly like egotistical and self <laughs> and only focused on himself. Uh, I mean, it's just like one of those things where he goes from having like an incre- incredible self-awareness and openness to then saying things like he's gonna be the greatest rapper that's ever, it's ever lived. And so I think that's a really clever mix. And then I also think uh, the show is about Dave, but he lets other characters on the show, especially the characters of color, speak for themselves and disagree and contradict him. So there's, for me, it's that's very helpful because it's not a monolithic view here where we're only getting Dave's uh, perspective. And um, as we mentioned, or as I mentioned earlier, the relationship with D- uh, Gaeta, especially in the second season, um, is really, I, I think, illustrative of that. And then I'd say the final thing is, I, I, I mean, it, it's hard to get around around this. Dave is actually a good rapper, and I enjoy hearing his his verses. Yeah, I agree. He's got bars. Uh, and, you know, for, for me, the, the, this topic, you know, as, uh, as someone who grew up a, a white Jewish rapper, uh, and I kind of <laughs> hung up the microphone, uh, but I, I freestyle from time to time. Um, for me, this is like couched in the, the context of, of white folks uh, stealing, co-opting uh, black art forms. Um, so, you know, going all the way back to Elvis, where that was that was straight stealing. And then you have Beastie Boys who initially were, you know, a caricature of, of Run DMC. And then you see them after their first album start to carve out their own artistic space. 
and get respect from Run DMC and, and, and many of the other founders. Uh, and so you see that that kind of transition. And then I think about, you know, the transition to Vanilla Ice, who was stealing, right? So very Elvis stealing, like, but also really corny, uh, but also aware, play that funky music, white boy, <laughs> got Vanilla in his name. Um, and then and then for me, like, okay, Vanilla Ice, then there's Eminem, and Eminem is this rapper with crazy skills. Uh, you know, give me 11, et cetera, and my head will spin. Medicine will get me revving like a 747 jet engine. Like, the internal rhyme scheme in there, despite, uh, you know, he's problematic, and uh, I think his voice can be annoying at times. <laughs> he's got a really incredible uh, skills, right? And then he uses, I think, in, in that movie, Eight Mile, uh, which is, you know, based in, in many ways on a true story, using his vulnerability as a cudgel as um, as his vulnerability as strength um, by calling out everything that's whack about him. Uh, you see Macklemore do that when after winning that award, saying, "What was it? The Kendrick should have won." Uh, and to me, then Dicky, little Dicky, Dave is is this next stage in the evolution of the white rapper uh, and someone who's who's constantly very aware, like you mentioned, um, and has bars. So I think it's a it's a fascinating transition couched in the in the arc of white rapperdom uh, over the years yeah that's a really good breakdown too of sort of putting him in context of uh white rappers more more generally and i mean to me there's something so magical about his interactions with Macklemore. I think it's on the second episode of the first season where uh, he gets booted at a kid's birthday party because they really wanted Macklemore rather than Little Dicky. And uh, that level of self-awareness is not only, I think, rede- like endearing, but also just highly comical. Yeah. You know, one other thing I want to just say, I think the the whole premise of Dave, uh, you know, he, he's got this medical condition with his penis and <laughs> he turns it into uh, his insecurities and his vulnerabilities. He turns it into then his name, Lil Dicky, and his, you know, when people come to get selfies with him, he's doing little uh, hand signs and making fun of himself. And there's not a song that goes by that he doesn't make some sort of, of dick joke. I think that like this is like very fascinating playing with with the art form uh, in one way because you know hip hop is a is a genre where a lot of folks spend a lot of uh, time in their music talking about their dicks. Um, but there's also something like very to me the universal about hip hop, and that is you know taking your lack, what you lack, mm. uh, and turning it into creativity, turning it into something powerful. So co-opting what you don't have. Uh, to me, that's very hip hop. And I think that, that Dave here is like, is just another manifestation of hip hop culture in that way. That's awesome. That's a great point, Ron. That's a really good point. Um, all right, well, let's move on to our first thing we didn't like, which I think is a really interesting question. And that is, is Little Dicky a dick? Um, now, I talked about the depiction of friendship and loyalty on the show earlier, and you know, you and I, that resonates with both you and I, and it's very endearing. But there are a lot of moments where I had to wonder why so many people are so loyal and such good friends with Dave, because he is really selfish at some points. He doesn't always treat his friends well, uh, including his girlfriend, who then becomes his ex-girlfriend, Allie. And at the beginning of the second season, he's filming, uh, supposed to film a video in South Korea. And there were just so many scenes where his selfishness just really made me cringe. And he does things where uh, people around him get hurt or at least impacted in a negative way. Um, and 
it's one of those things where, you know, we really praise people with ambition. Like you think of like the Michael Jordan documentary and like, yep, he was ruthless and maniacal and that's like a great thing. Well, like imagine trying to live with someone like that. Um, But at the same time, his friends love him seemingly. And they also, a lot of them depend on him financially. So, uh, you know, they're all sort of in his retinue and you see both sides of it. Because when he goes, I, I thought, I don't know about you, Ron, but I thought one of the most, the best uh, parts of the entire series was at the very end of season one he goes on uh, what is it called the breakfast club with Charlemagne the god and he performs an insanely touching tribute to Gaeta and he he really didn't have to um, but he does and so we're left with uh, Dave is just a man who's wildly complicated he has tons of contradictions and we don't always like him or at least I didn't um, but you still find this you're still rooting for him and all those around him in his orbit so I don't know Ron what do you think do, do we like Dickie or not yeah, you know, in the end of the day, uh, uh, I do. Uh, as I know that's a cliche in the end of the day, but like, uh, ultimately, I do like him. Um, I was like you rooting for him, certainly in season one. I wanted him to win in the hip hop game. I wanted him to win in romance and relationships. And, uh, you know, there's there's some really endearing, sweet things about him. Um, I think, you know, after watching the, the end of the first season, that last episode, I watched that last episode multiple times. Yeah, just felt... Uh, it felt so good. And I, I said it to you at one point, you know, I felt like it was Ted Lasso feel good <laughs> before I had even seen Ted Lasso. Um, and yet there is this part that uh, for me is, 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 was tough to watch. And, and I think season two even exemplified that even more. It was just hard to get through and hard to root for, for him, which I think is why it becomes, uh, you know, from an artistic standpoint, the, the way that the season arc goes is even more triumphant because it is, uh, it, he's so distasteful. Uh, he so uh, just pushes me as a viewer away uh, in a lot of a second season. In, in some ways, it reminds me a lot of, of Kanye. Um, yeah. And, and Kanye's confidence and but like needing love and needing attention. It's there's a lot of that same stuff there. Yeah, that's a great point. And um, you know, he doesn't. He does very touching things for his friends in a lot of points. But then he also just leaves them high and dry at some point. So I. I yeah, I, I think the show, I think, again, I give Dave credit for that because he's not trying to depict himself as a perfect person by any stretch of the imagination. And he's also just so funny when he's arrogant. Like, I can never tell in the show if he's fully believes what he's saying or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's hyped himself up uh, to be a certain way. And it's, you know, it also reminds me a bit of, of, you know the entertainment industry in Los Angeles in general like the the line between like citizens living there and like at times I think feel like trying to be in a movie that is just life uh, and, and what that does to folks and, and what becomes real and what becomes fake and and the the gradients between all of that I think is, is something that's that's being played with here as well yeah I think that's exactly right the, there's definitely an element of fake it till you make it type thing in this for sure um, all right, let's move on to uh, the first thing I think we were sort of ambivalent about. And you and I texted a lot about this, Ron, but it's the start of the second season. And I had not just you, but two other friends who really like this show say, just give the second season a chance. The first few episodes are a bit of a, a, a bit of a struggle. And so I didn't know like what that could be because the tone and the tenor is a lot of the same. But he, the, the show's, the, the beginning of the second season really orbits a lot around Benny Blanco. And some of those who's a real music producer and has produced an inordinate amount of popular hits, like I didn't know a ton about him before watching the show, then obviously did a Wikipedia search and it's like, oh my God, this guy is behind 
everything. Um, but there was elements of it that were like hard for me to, to watch. Like he and Dave ha- go into like a hardcore bromance that, and there's a lot of uh, homoeroticism in it with like some uh, putting weird touching where they're putting gum and peanut butter up each other's butts. And it was, it just felt like to me, it was like, I kept waiting for the scenes to cut and they didn't. And they lingered like a few <laughs> seconds longer than I thought. And I was like, this seems to be derailing the show a bit. And he sort of, Dave tur- sort of turns his back on his friends during those episodes um and so for me it wasn't so much even like there was nothing wrong with the relationship i just sort of ended up finding it boring and wondering like what the point of it was and then all of a sudden the show picks up momentum again in the i think it's the fourth episode really and then to me it's similar to like atlanta or master of none i found it especially powerful in the second season when he basically seeded a whole show to a secondary character and I thought that worked really well. But I don't know, Ron, what do you think? How did you respond to the beginning of the second season and all the Benny Blanco interactions? It was it was breaking my heart. Uh, and I was I was worried, right? Like, because I had recommended this to you and to other folks. And I was like, just you got to get through those first five episodes. And I thought a lot about, like, if I were to tell someone to start watching this show, would I just say skip two through, I think, five or even six? Um, I, I, I'd say probably no, because I think there's there's something going on here where uh, you know, it's it's Dave exploring his insecurities. It's, mm-hmm. He's exploring relationships. He's got creative writer's block. And so he's uh, in some ways just like trying to it's like uh, flailing around trying to find himself. So I didn't like the episodes. I found it weird. I, I was like, what is the point um, of this? And and ultimately, my my hope is that uh, it was an intentional artistic choice to like be a palate cleanser or to reset the energy so that the like the the last six to six to ten episodes uh, you know episodes six to ten would be this almost think about like a musical peak right like mm. uh so it's got to be off rhythm and it's got to be maybe a minor key and then we can we can get it to peak in this way that again i watched the last episode probably four or five times which for me is uh four times more than i might normally <laughs> watch an episode of any show again Except Young Sheldon. I know you're a huge fan of that. <laughs> I don't even know what it is. <laughs> you're probably better off for that. Well, yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it all is worth it in the end. And I don't have like a bitter taste in my mouth uh, or my butt for that matter um, post those episodes. But it's not something I wouldn't go back and watch those over and over again. Yep. All right. Um, our final thing, and I wanted to end on something that we both really liked and that just I find immensely entertaining about the show, and that's the cameos. Um, Dave seems to, the real Dave, seems to have cultivated an amazing amount of celebrity friends. And so the music is shockingly good in the, the show overall, but then so are so many of the cameos who are also musicians. Um, this show also almost made me didn't stop hating Kendall Jenner, and I emphasize almost, but her her cameo was very good. And as I mentioned earlier, I think the best cameo for me was the Macklemore one. Um, and there's an element where they're brace, both embracing sort of the fact that they're white rappers and therefore like there's an element of inherent uncoolness in them. Um, but just to list some of the cameos here, there's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, YG, Young Thug, Justin Bieber, Kevin Hart, Little Nas X. Um, and I, I think you and I both really liked the interaction he also had with Doja Cat, um, which is an yes. episode where he matches with her on a dating app. Um, and then there's a whole episode around that and really exploring Dave trying to, I'd say, reach up into the higher echelons of fame with someone who is definitely more famous than him. 
Um, but I also think they're like similar to a show like Extras. I thought it was really cool how much the people who came on the show were in on the joke. Like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and he gets trapped in a bathroom was just really, really funny. Um, so I, I don't know. That was one of my favorite things. What, what did you like about that, Ron? Yeah, I love the cameos as well. Uh, it makes it feel real. Uh, it makes it, you know, it's, yeah, like I say, uh, there's a, a sense of authenticity to it. Um, I also really like It's Not a Cameo, but Els is played by Travis Bennett, who is Taco from Odd Future, Tyler, the creator crew. Uh, so I just love that. Like, there, there's some little details in there. Um, I did love the Doja Cat one, like, like you said. And I thought there was just something really powerful being said about the demands on uh, perhaps women artists uh, versus men artists and white artists versus black artists and, and how their expectations and their days went. Um, and yes, at the highest end of fame or uh, a middling star trying to break through, I, I found that fascinating. Uh, but perhaps my, my favorite cameo was really a, a non-cameo uh, of Rick Rubin. And, and I'll leave it there to not mm-hmm. spoil a ton, but his presence in, this, in the show and in this one episode in particular just loomed large. And, and I thought connected really nicely to that that history of white folks and hip hop that I you know I talked about later, knowing that Rick Rubin was there with Run DMC and the Beastie Boys and um, and with Eminem, two of his albums. And so there was just something I think powerful about that that non cameo of Rick Rubin. Yeah, you have to watch to find out what I mean. Yeah, and that there was almost like an ethereal element that reminded me of the famous Michael Jackson episode on Atlanta, where. I, I thought that that was one of the most inventive and creative episodes of the entire series. And that's truly something where you don't want to say anything because you want people who are going to watch it to experience it without having anything ruined for them. It was just brilliant. Yeah. If there's, can I do one Absolutely. thing that I liked? Uh, the music, you mentioned uh, the music is good. I thought the music was phenomenal. The soundtrack that has been chosen, you can go on Spotify and like hear the songs that are played by different artists or just, you know, across the season. But I, I thought particularly the music in both season finales, uh, just incredible. And I want to focus on the second season finale. Uh, they use this song by Durando called Didn't I, Didn't I Treat You Right? Now it's really good. I will not uh, subject you to me singing it more, but it's- You're actually pretty good, song. Ron. <laughs> With like an interesting history and Durando's this person and they recorded this song and it was their biggest hit. And then they ended up working on a cruise ship and becoming a speech pathologist, a really just fascinating story, but it was perfect scoring for that. Um, the, the, the end of the, the last uh, finale in, in season two was just perfect scoring for that episode. And then it is, ultimately sampled to what I think is perfection in that final song. And it was so good of a sample that I had, I had to go deep on Reddit. I had to use <laughs> every thing at my disposal on the internet to try to figure out what the sample was. And when it, when I realized it was the sample that they had already used in the song, I was blown away. So um, I, I think the sample was fantastic. And the last thing I'll say is the song didn't I is about uh, is someone trying to prevent a lover from leaving, prevent someone who maybe they didn't treat so well from, from going away. Didn't I treat you right now? Didn't I do my best just to be around? And I thought, wow, how, how what beautiful art this is to take this, this song, um, to make it into a sample and to use it to tell story in, in just a, add a, a bunch of texture or layers to this. Uh, it was levular is, is a, <laughs> a word I, I, I like to use. Um, it doesn't mean anything, uh, other than that there was just, there was levels to it. So I uh, really enjoyed it. That's, that's awesome, Ron. Well, 
Thank you. That is that. Those were our five things about um, Dave that we wanted to discuss. Um, so, Ron, I really appreciate you joining me. We're now going to get into the part of the show where I give a brief rant here. And Ron, you can uh, and then also some recommendations and one not recommendation. Uh, and Ron, I would love for you to chime in at any point in any of this. But the my trying to have a civilization here point of this week was just Ben Simmons in general. And Ron, I know you follow the NBA like I do, but <laughs> Ben Simmons literally was is the worst free throw shooter in the playoffs in NBA history shot something like 33% completely choked in the playoffs and is now demanding a trade and I love the fact that Joel Embiid this week just came out and was like yeah we we built the team around you dude and now you're just quitting on us you sort of suck it's just nice when athletes are that open and honest but Ben Simmons acting like he has all the leverage in this situation with the 76ers just blew my mind because I, I just don't remember ever an athlete who has been this coddled and this um just bad, especially in big moments, having such an unrealistic expectation. He really needs to talk to Dave. Uh, and I think there's some similarities there because <laughs> Dave at least has some self-awareness. Ben Simmons seems to have none. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've never thought he was a winner. Uh, I, I kind of feel like I can just look at some players and, and get the vibe. And, yep. you know, going back to his days at LSU, I just never saw it there. So it's fascinating that he thinks he's in charge in this one. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, all right, for the Trust the Process uh, segment of this week, wanted to give some song recommendations since we've been talking about music. Now, uh, there have been a ton of songs that I've been listening to this week that are sort of in my uh, indie dad rock mode here. But there, it's interesting because when you look at these bands, I think this is one of the coolest things about Spotify is when you look at these bands, a lot of them have like the total number of plays of their songs are in the like at most hundred thousands. And so it's just like, I don't know how I would have ever heard of these bands without Spotify. So I did want to give some appreciation to them and some recommendations on my own are Good to Yourself by the band Life in Sweatpants, Best Worst Year by Strabe, Groceries by Mallrat, and especially this band called The Anxiety, which has a song called Meet Me at Our Spot, which is just, I haven't been able to stop listening to it all week. And um, Ron, I thought you could, you and I could each give one old school uh, hip hop song that has been running through our mind too, because uh, I, I don't know if I ever told you this, Ron, but I hosted an underground hip hop radio show back in college. It was like the two to four a.m. slot with uh, two friends, Kwame oh and Carl, um, and it was like on Saturday morning. And of course, it was called the Rap Around, which inevitably led to a lot of these nuts jokes too. But uh, back <laughs> back when we did that, my absolute favorite song was uh, "Concrete Schoolyard" by Jurassic Five. So I that popped into my head this week, and I've been listening to it a lot as well. That's so good. I, I love J5. We hosted a show for them when I was uh, in college in L.A. Oh, wow. Uh, the night before they sold out the House of Blues. So we had them like right on their 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 uh, their rise, which is cool. So I love the concrete schoolyard. Um, you know, uh, gosh, I wasn't prepared for this, but <laughs> th this is not old school. Uh, but one that I can't stop playing right now um, came up for me on Spotify is uh, Rick Ross featuring Andre 3016. I just think it's uh, it's a really good uh, three stacks verse. So I'll, I'll leave that one there. Awesome. And then uh, for the sinking to the couch episode this week, uh, that you know, that's something that you need when you want to just like chill out at the end of the evening and watch something on TV. It's a new movie on Netflix uh, called The Guilty, starring Jake uh, Gyllenhaal. I can never know if I say his name correctly, but um, it's a really good 
Netflix movie. And he's great, as always, he's, he's just dreamy and just completely commanding. Um, but it, I, it's also a great COVID movie. So I, I don't know if you've been noticing this, Ron, or other people have, but like there's so many movies that are now appearing that have been filmed in the last year and a half, which have very minimal sets. And where like, this is all filmed in a single room. There are lots of voiceovers and he's like a 911 operator getting calls from people. But it's very it's very fascinating that it's like you can tell that this was filmed during a quarantine if you think about it too much, because there's no like nothing outside this room. And so it was a way I'm sure they thought about that as a way to like make people say. But it's also really entertaining. And it's by directed by Antoine Fuqua, Fuqua who did um, Training Day, which is a really good Denzel Washington movie. So highly recommend that. That's awesome. And I appreciate all these recommendations because this is actually where I go to figure out what I'm going to watch <laughs> generally on the weekends uh, with, with my wife on the couch. So thank you. And how does your wife feel about Dave? Uh, she will not watch. She watched one episode and she understands why I like it, but she is not going to go on that journey. <laughs> that's that's a sign of a great marriage. So I'm, I'm glad about that. Um, final thing of the week was what pooped the bed. And for me th- that this week, it had to be all the Ted Lasso critics. There was so much criticism. I of this show at the start of the second season. And Ron, I know you're a fan, too. But like that there wasn't enough conflict and that Ted was too nice and blah, blah, blah. The whole second half of the ep- uh, the season has been all about conflict. And just like this last episode, especially that premiered Friday, was overt uh, just conflict ridden and just really there's just like a lot of tension. And so I think it would just be nice if maybe people could just sometimes wait on their takes before, you know, seeing something and just possibly let us have nice things once in a while. Cause Ted Lasso is such an optimistic show in most regards, but there's definitely a dark and deep side to it. And so I just think like maybe letting art breathe for just a little bit would be nice if we can do that once in a while. Yes, extinguish the fuego takes. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all we got for you this week. Ron, I cannot thank you enough for joining me. Uh, this was really fun. And I hope this gets people to watch Dave because it's a show that I think you and I both love and it's really worth watching. You're going to love it. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, that's it for the Insatiable Content podcast this week. And hope you have a great week. And we'll be uh, back next week to discuss the new um, Sopranos movie. So have a great week. Talk to you soon. Peace.